0: everyone and thank you for joining church on the real real that's r-e-e-l as in the multi-platform broadcast r-e-a-l as in having a genuine conversation or true dialogue about faith-based issues i'm your host donna means do you ever feel like the odds are stacked against you while deciding between good and evil you're not by yourself humans have wrestled with the moral dilemma caused by the mysterious figure who's Very name induces terror for some, the devil. The Apostle Paul says, Romans chapter 7, verse 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. In this verse, Paul is acknowledging the tension and conflict between his desire to do what is right and the reality of his own sinful nature that often leads him to do what is wrong. Romans chapter seven deals with the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. In this chapter, the apostle Paul describes his own personal battle with sin and the law, acknowledging that the power of sin to lead him astray from doing what is right and what is good. Throughout Romans chapter seven, Paul emphasizes the point that the law so good in itself cannot save us from sin. He explains that the law reveals our sinful nature and the extent to which we fall short of God's standards and righteousness. However, it does not provide the power to overcome sin. Paul concludes this chapter by pointing out that it is only through faith in Jesus Christ that we can find victory over sin and the power to live a life that's pleasing to God. He says, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. According to the Bible. Satan is a powerful and clever adversary who seeks to lead people astray. Just as soldiers must be equipped With the weapons of battle, Christians must comprehend the nature and tactics of the devil if we are to remain solid in our faith. In the last podcast, we talked about Lucifer, his pride and fall, as well as his agenda. We also looked at the spiritual armor that God has given to us. The belt would have been the first item of protective equipment worn by the Roman soldier before preparing for war. The belt was a leather strap with an apron that draped around the soldier's groin and lower abdomen. To give the best protection possible, little brass plates were added to the apron. It adhered to the soldier and protected some of his most vulnerable bodily parts. It was also used to tuck up clothing so that it did not get in the way when fighting. The apostle Paul's call to stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist is a call to be prepared to combat Satan's lies with God's truth. For Christians, the belt of truth is a symbol of the importance of living a life based on the truth of God's word. It signifies the need to be grounded in the truth of God's teachings and live a life that is consistent with those teachings. This includes being honest and transparent in all aspects of life, both in personal relationships and in business dealings. The belt of truth also represents the need to be discerning and to distinguish between truth and lies. In a world where falsehoods and deceptions abound. Christians are called to be discerning and to hold fast to the truth, even when it may be unpopular or difficult to do so. Our adversary fights with falsehood. He is skilled at making falsehood appear to be true. Armed with God's truth, we can fight and destroy the devil's falsehoods. In this episode, we will learn more about our adversary, identify some of his tactics, and how to be grounded in God's truth, allowing us to overcome. One of Satan's tricks is to convince us that he's imaginary. Come on. We have all seen the cartoons of the Red Devils with the horns on top of the heads and menacing expressions and malicious smiles with the pitchfork in the hands and the pointy tails. Some of these caricatures are designed to appear harmless, while others are designed to appear more threatening. The devil is often portrayed as a more subtle deceitful figure in Hollywood films, television, other media, frequently as an attractive, charismatic individual who tempts people to sin. Through these representations, the devil might induce us to see him as a metaphorical persona rather than a real serious antagonist. The Bible depicts Satan as real rather than a symbolic embodiment of evil. He is mentioned in Seven Old Testament books, Genesis, First Chronicles, Job, Psalms, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Zechariah. Every writer in the New Testament confirms Satan's existence and efforts. In the gospel, he mentioned 29 times, 25 of which were by Jesus himself. Satan comes from the Hebrew word for adversary. The word devil is a translation of the Greek word, diabolos, from which we obtain the word diabolic in English. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus describes the devil as having no truth in him. John chapter 8, verse 44 reads, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. As we learned in the previous podcast, Lucifer was created as an angel. And according to Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13, Lucifer was created by God as a seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He was one of the highest ranking angels and held a position of great authority in heaven. God created him for the same purpose. God created everything else to bring God honor and to serve the Almighty's everlasting purpose. To seize God's throne, Satan boldly declared war on God and persuaded one-third of the angels to join his uprising. As a result, both he and they were expelled from heaven. Since then, Satan and the other fallen angels also known as demons or wicked spirits, have continued their heinous attacks against God's people and purpose. Even though the Bible clearly indicates that Satan's annihilation is assured, he continues his never-ending battle. Revelation chapter 20 verses 7 through 10 says, "The thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. They march across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. This verse appears near the end of the book of Revelation, which depicts the millennium Christ's thousand-year reign over the earth. After the thousand years in prison, Satan is released and immediately begins assembling the nations of the world to wage war against God's people. The reference to Gog and Magog refers to the armies depicted in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39 of the Old Testament. God is the king of Magog, a nation in the far north, and he leads an army against Israel in these chapters. The passage in Revelation 20 implies that The countries who join Satan's army are like the nations depicted in Ezekiel. The armies of Satan's demons are depicted as numerous, like sand on the beach. They march over the world, encircling God's people's camp, which is categorized as the city that he loves. However, the fire descended from heaven and devours them all, annihilating the entire army. Following this, the devil who misled the nations and led them to ruin is cast into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were already cast. This alludes to the events detailed in Revelation chapter 19 in which the beast and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire. The devil is thought to be tortured day and night for all eternity. The passage serves as a reminder of the ultimate victory of God over evil and the importance of remaining faithful to him, even in the face of trials and persecution. The Bible teaches us that Satan is a powerful and deceptive enemy who seeks to undermine our faith and lead us away from God. Satan's tactics can be categorized under the 5D plan, which includes deception. Satan is described as the father of lies, and he uses deception to trick people into following him. He can appear as an angel of light, and his followers can appear as ministers of righteousness. Division makes the wrong things appear attractive so that we want them more than the right things. This is often referred to as temptation. Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness by offering him worldly power and possessions. Similarly, he tempts us with worldly pleasures and desires to lead us away from God. Discouragement makes us look at our problems rather than towards God. Satan is also known as the accuser of the brethren. Satan uses the accusations and guilt to discourage us and make us doubt our salvation. Division. Satan seeks to create division and strife among believers, causing them to turn against each other and weaken their unity. Defeat makes us feel like failure so that we stop trying to move forward. Satan uses fear to paralyze and control people, causing them to doubt God's power and protection. To combat Satan's tactics, the good news is that Satan has limitations. He is a created entity, and in no way is he equivalent to our creator. Satan is depicted in the Bible as a powerful and clever enemy, yet he is also restricted in many respects. First of all, he's limited in power. Although Satan is frequently portrayed as a strong spiritual creature, he is not all-powerful. God's sovereignty and authority restricts his capacities. Before Satan could hurt Job, he had to first obtain permission from God. Jesus informs Peter in Luke chapter 22, verses 31-32, through 32, that Satan has begged to lift him like wheat, but Jesus has prayed for him so that his faith would not fail. Satan has limited knowledge. While Satan is depicted as crafty and devious, Satan is not omniscient. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul refers to Satan as the ruler of this world, who did not comprehend God's knowledge revealed through Jesus' death and resurrection. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, Jesus adds that no one, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, knows the day or the hour of his return, but only the Father. He has a limited time. While Satan is currently active in the world, his time is ultimately limited. In Revelation chapter 12 verse 12, the devil is described as having great anger because he knows that his time is short. In Revelation chapter 20 verse 1 through 3, it is revealed that Satan will be bound for a thousand years during Christ's reign on the earth. And then he will be released for a short time before being ultimately defeated and cast into the lake of fire. He is got a limited physical presence. Satan is a spiritual creature with no physical body. Unlike people or animals, in the book of Job, Satan is categorized as strolling around and traveling back and forth on earth. However, this most likely relates to his spiritual presence rather than a physical one. Satan has limited authority. Satan is also known as the god of this world. Second Corinthians chapter verse 4, or the prince of the powers of the air in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2. His influence is ultimately limited by God's sovereignty. In Matthew chapter 28 verse 18, Jesus claims that he has been granted all authority in heaven and in earth, not Satan. Paul tells how Christ disarmed the principalities and authorities and made a public spectacle of them by triumphing over them on the cross in Colossians. Satan also has a limited ability to deceive believers, but Satan is a master of deceit. His power to deceive true believers is ultimately limited. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14-15, Paul tells the Corinthians that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light and his followers as slaves of righteousness, but he also assures them that they are not unaware of Satan's plans. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, John states, the one who is in the believers is greater than he who is in the world, alluding to the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit. The devil can be defeated. First John chapter two, verse 13 says, I am writing to you, fathers, because I know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. In this verse, the author, believed to be the apostle John, is addressing three groups of people, fathers, young men, and children. He is commending the young men for having overcome the evil one, which is a reference to Satan, who is commonly regarded as the personification of evil and the adversary of God. To overcome Satan means to resist his temptations, to refuse to give in to his lies, and to live according to God's will. It means to stand firm in one's faith and to trust God's power and goodness to deliver us from evil. The concept of overcoming Satan is a reoccurring theme in the New Testament. It is seen as an important part of the Christian life. In essence, the verse is a message of encouragement to the young men to continue to stand firm in their faith and to resist the temptations of the evil one. It is a reminder that through Christ, we have the power to overcome evil and to live in the light of God's truth. Colossians chapter two, verse fifteen. And having disarmed the power and authority, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross this verse is speaking about the victory that jesus achieved on the cross over the powers of darkness which includes satan and all his demons the context of this passage is about the sufficiency of christ and the dangers of false teachings which were prevalent in the colossians church the phrase having disarmed the powers and authorities means that jesus has stripped the powers Of their ability to harm us. Through his death on the cross, Jesus defeated Satan and all his evil forces, rendering them powerless over those who put their faith in him. The phrase, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross, means that Jesus not only defeated Satan and all his demons, but also exposed them publicly as defeated enemies. The imagery here is a military triumph, where the conquering generals parades his defeated enemies through the streets to demonstrate his victory. So to overcome Satan means to recognize the victory that Jesus has already achieved on our behalf and to put our faith in him. It means to resist the devil's temptations and attack by relying on the power of Christ, who has disarmed and defeated him. It also means to live a life of obedience to God's word and resist false teachings that would lead us away from the truth of the gospel. Temptations from the devil can be resisted. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 reads, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. The passage is generally viewed as a message of hope and encouragement for believers experiencing difficulties in temptation. It reminds us that we are not alone in our troubles and that God is always present, ready to assist us in overcoming any obstacles. To defeat Satan, we must reject his temptations and obey God's instructions. In the Bible, Satan is frequently described as a tempter who seeks to lure us astray from God's path. Overcoming Satan entails resisting temptations and being fruitful and being faithful to God. This might be a challenging process, but with God's aid, we can conquer any challenge we can continue on the road that God has set for us to overcome the problems that we experience in life by depending on prayer, faith, and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Finally, our triumph over Satan is due to our trust in God and readiness to obey his will for our lives. Apostle Peter cautions Christians in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 to be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This scripture is a simile that describes Satan's activities. Just as the lions prey on the ill, young, and weak animals, along with preferring victims that are alone and unaware, so does Satan. The perfect example is found in Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11 when Jesus is tested in the wilderness. In this passage, Satan approaches Jesus after completing a 40-day, 40-night fast in the Judean desert. The scriptures do not explain Jesus' wilderness experience. However, based on the information that is available about the Judean desert, we know that it was no walk in the park. It is possible that Jesus would have experienced physical exhaustion, dehydration, malnutrition, and muscle atrophy. This wilderness is in a remote rocky terrain with no food and no water sources away from civilization. Jesus was alone in the desert. In verse 2, it tells us that Jesus was hungry. Satan attempts to exploit Jesus' hunger, telling Jesus to turn the stones into bread to satisfy his hunger. In verse 4, Jesus responds, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, Jesus recognized that physical needs are important, but spiritual needs are even more important. Satan then tempted Jesus by appealing to his pride. Satan takes Jesus to the high mountain and offers him all the kingdoms of the world if he bows down and worships him. Jesus replies, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Coding from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 13. Jesus recognized that it would be foolish to test God by taking unnecessary risks. Satan distorts Psalms 91:12 to persuade Jesus to throw himself down off the pinnacle of the temple and trust God would save him. Jesus answers, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 16. Jesus recognized that true power and glory came from serving God, not from serving oneself or others. By relying on the truth and the authority of God's word, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was able to resist Satan's temptations and overcome his tactics. When we are suffering or being persecuted, Peter advises us to be on the lookout for Satan. When we we are more vulnerable to Satan's attacks, when we feel alone, weak, powerless, and cut off from other Christians, or when we are so concentrated on our problems that we neglect to watch out for danger. During times of suffering, we should seek other Christians for support. Keep our eyes on cross and resist the devil. According to James chapter 4, verse 7. Resisting the devil will make him flee from us. Christians sometimes speak of an unholy trinity of enemies that war against Christians, such as the world, the flesh, and the devil. So far, we've mostly focused on the devil, so let's address the other two. The world, the Greek term for the world is cosmos which appears over 180 times in the New Testament. It might refer to the populated world as in Romans chapter 1 verse 8, or the earth's people, as in John chapter 3 16. Most frequently in the New Testament, it is referred to as a complex system of ideas, values, and institutions that operate in opposition to God's purpose and people under the command of Satan. The flesh, psorix, is the Greek word meaning flesh. More than just our physical bodies, flesh refers to the irreversible component of human nature that we receive from Adam, the first human. It leads us to seek fulfillment outside of God. Sin has fully corroded the flesh. It cannot be rendered holy. It can only be killed. And that's according to Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 and Romans chapter 8 verse 13. We become new beings when we receive Christ by faith. Despite the fact that we are God's children with a new nature, we nevertheless have wicked impulses of the body that wage war against our souls. We battle these desires by following the guidance of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. The world versus the word. John chapter 15, verse 18 through 19 reads, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. These verses suggest that those who follow Jesus will experience hatred and opposition from the world. This is because the values and beliefs of the world are often in opposition to the teachings of Jesus. The world is categorized by greed, selfishness, and materialism, while Jesus teaches love selflessness, and focuses on spiritual rather than worldly things. Therefore, the ideologies of this world are opposed to the things of God, as they often prioritize worldly concerns over spiritual ones. In contrast, God's teachings emphasizes the importance of loving one another, helping those in need, and seeking to live in harmony with others. In life, we often hear little whispers in conversations with others, from the media, or in our own heads and hearts, tempting us to take questionable actions. To illustrate this point, I will cover three worldly ideologies that conflict with the teachings of the Bible. Materialism. Materialism is the belief that physical matter is the only reality and other phenomena such as awareness, thought, and emotion can be reduced to physical processes in the brain. This contradicts biblical teachings that individuals have spiritual essence that cannot be reduced to a physical substance. Various idioms are used to describe aspects of materialism such as keeping up with the Joneses, money talks, and shop till you drop. It's various idioms I like the power and material wealth and influence, as well as its potential pitfalls, such as the rat race or the illusion of success that often leads to excessive consumerism among material girls and boys alike. Moral relativism. Moral relativism is the belief that there are no objective moral standards and that what is considered right or wrong is determined by culture or individual choice. This view contradicts the Bible's teachings that there is an objective moral standard based on God's character revealed in scripture. Hedonism. There are various idioms and phrases that promote the philosophy of hedonism, which suggests that pleasure and happiness should be pursued and prioritized above all else. These include expressions such as corpidium, eat, drink, and be merry, life's too short, YOLO, you know, you only live once, and live like there's no tomorrow. This philosophy contradicts the Bible's teachings that humans should strive to live ethical lives that please God. So here's something that I hope that you take away from all of this. Satan is a powerful enemy who seeks to oppose God's plans and his followers. But we are called to stand firm and resist them, for only with the Lord can we stand against our adversary. We must all put the belt of truth and live our lives based on the truth of God's word. We must remind ourselves, when tempted by our cardinal nature, the things of this world, we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who has already conquered Satan and given us authority to stand firm in our faith power of truth is a great weapon against Satan. And wearing the belt of truth symbolizes the importance of living our lives guided by the word of God. The battle against Satan is real, but God always has our back and is fighting for us. Remember these things about the belt of truth. It is a symbol of faith and strength against Satan. It is a reminder to live according to God's word. It is a reminder that Jesus Christ has already conquered Satan. It also reminds us that we have the authority to stand against our adversary. It also acts as a sign of hope that God has our back in the battle against evil. Thank you for joining the conversation today. I encourage all of you to like, follow, share, and subscribe to all of the church on the real, real social media channels. On Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, the handle is Church on the Real Real, and on Twitter, it is Church on the Real, R-E-E-L. The email address is Donna at Church on the Real dot com, and the website, www.ChurchontheRealReal.com. May the Lord be with you until we meet again. Peace.